Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 3rd, 2014. I've often thought about taking things for granted. We're trained, in a sense, to take things for granted from birth. And we don't question very far from authority authority figures from school onwards, actually before that's your parents, um, will give you their world view of things. We ask all the whys of when you're a child, you're always asking why, why, why to drive them nuts. And then it goes on to school. And at one time, school was far more disciplined and more authoritative. And you simply parted what the teacher wanted to you to parrot, and you got your marks, etc. Uh, if you were too cheeky, as it say, by asking impertinent questions, which would be curious questions very often, you were punished for it. So things have slightly changed now until often there's, there's gone another way and there's almost no discipline in many schools today because from Dr. Spock's book outwards, uh, you, just, you simply just don't discipline anybody at all. So we lack a form of self-control, but... Uh, authority takes over and then the media takes over when you, you come out of school or university and it runs you for the rest of your life. That gives you your reality. Here's how things are. Here are the, the things to talk about. Here are the things you mustn't talk about according to the political era of the time and political correctness of the time. And you're constantly being trained. But we take things for granted. Many people don't question things at all. In fact, they think it's all the way it actually is. What we're being told is normal. Brzezinski said it too in his book Between Two Ages when he said shortly the public will have nothing to talk about in their conversations except the previous night's news and so on. And, And it's pretty well been that way for an awful, awful long time. In other words, we're taught to be naive to an extent. We're kept in a form of naivete, and many uh, philosophers of the past uh, talked about using this uh, uh, maybe natural instinct and extent to be trusting, etc., against the people to perfect humanity and guide humanity, etc., without you being aware that you're even being guided. And, of course, that's really where it is today, because so many revolutions have taken place that... And, and biotechnology and all the sciences and psychology and neuroscience and so on, you're so, you're so well understood today. It's, it's unbelievable, really. If you worked at NASA, uh, at the NSA, I should say, or one of these corporations, the Spook Corporations, MI6, any of these complexes, you would have such access to individuals' data You'd have immediate profiles already made up by the computer and profiling you automatically into various categories and subcategories, etc. As they broke down you, what is you, completely, right down to how you'd react in certain situations if they put you, a virtual you in a video game sort of scenario, they know pretty well, accurately, how you would behave and react to the situation and they have been doing all these experiments for an awful long time today so we still take it for granted because countering that we have have this thing called doublethink that George Orwell explained in his book 1984 where you can hold two opposing opinions on the same topic in your head at the same time and actually make yourself believe in both of them which technically would be insanity if that were actually true. But folk do that, because even when you get them into topics of, say, 
um, chemtrails, uh, or as the scientists like to call it, geoengineering, which is a bit of a sideshow as far as the term goes, uh, then you 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 say, well, I've seen them doing it. If you have in commerce, I see them, yeah. But the other part says they can't mean us any harm, without even asking who they are, or even being really immensely curious as to who they are, since no government's taking responsibility for using the, their aircraft or their air forces for doing this. What air force is it? What agreements have been signed, and, and so on. And there's a whole history behind that, which I won't go into here. But we take things for granted, and I mean, most folk have this double think in their head. You, you'll find this very apparent in fiction and movies and so on, where they can show you situations which are fantasy situations, especially sexual ones, of course, which is a big one, because you have a primary sexual drive there, and they can always tap into that and use it for their movies to hook you to watch the rest of the story and get the rest of the indoctrination, which you're actually being downloaded with at the time uh, that you're enjoying yourself. But allows, and that's why people are fascinated with murder stories. I, I never could fathom that one, why people loved murder stories. And I've read elsewhere that it's because people harbor secret desires to murder people in their lives, which I can't really believe that's true. But I must admit that these novels... And in movies that are churned out, murder, 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 uh, is, is, is astonished. They're lapped up like crazy. They become bestsellers and so on. And uh, I can remember the Hannibal, the Cannibal series, apparently uh, really became a bestseller very quickly as folk uh, lapped up this horror of uh, some guy who killed and ate his victims. But he was a genius and all that. So they, they grudgingly gave a kind of respect to the man at the same time, especially when he could get away with it. And maybe that's part of the intrigue too. But we're being grossly overfed a whole side of macabre topics and situations which are meant to either be kept in the unconscious, not the subconscious, uh, dream state sort of thing, or else um, uh, not be there at all because it's affecting not just... Adults think they, they have the ability not to be affected by things, which is a big, big mistake because the techniques used by movie industries and psychologists that often work with them and so on uh, are perfected to make sure that everyone's going to be affected by the, the primary stories that they're showing you. And if you go into the histories of uh, even the Communist Party of America, uh, who published lots of books, by the way, you can get old ones from, all, all published in New York City, and and you, you'll find that they were quite open about their plan to eradicate completely the culture of the West, completely obliterate it. And the Frankfurt School also came out with that too, where they claimed that uh, the West problems were due uh, to um, the authoritarian-type personality. Your dad was, then you become it too, you, and you become like a robot and your anal retentive, as they love to call it back in the 70s and so on, if you followed the guidelines and the culture of a previous generation, instead of being liberal and going for it all. So this program has been immensely successful, and the biggest communists were multimillionaires and sometimes billionaires, and by the way, they still are, which is a far cry from the average person's perception of the working guy with his overalls on and the farmer with the pitchfork overthrowing his government. 
the top guys who planned it had uh, planned to use countries and use the peasantries, etc., to overthrow the established rulers of those those countries, and then take over. And then if a, a, a slave pop, they'd be the masters of the slaves, basically. Then, and that's what happened in the communist countries to an extent. Uh, but in the West, it was a much more covert, um, a prolonged war, a Cold War. The Cold War, really, it was more of a cultural war, by the way. And um, Yuri Bezmenov, that wasn't his real name, of course, but the defector from the KGB said that when he came over in the 70s in the States, he couldn't believe that their cultural uh, plan to take down the culture had been so successful. It was it was from the from the early sixties onwards it had literally just steamrolled and escalated into the free love, sex, drugs and, and the whole thing, destruction of the family and abortions, all the all the things they wanted to get through had already been tremendously fulfilled. But looking back on it, people in those days, uh, the average citizenry they, they had no idea of really these things were really going on. They still thought it was them that would be them would always have a uniform sort of thing. Didn't imagine folk uh, sitting writing scripts for your TV or or for big movies and things like that. Never never occurred to to most of the people, because after all, uh, they the, the they their government their their masters uh, wouldn't allow it. They thought, and and it isn't until you come to the end of the whole story you find out they're always working together, the two sides with the same intention of using science especially uh, to dominate the world, all kinds of sciences working together, and that's pretty well where we are today. But I say most folk in every generation take things for granted. Sometimes they think that things are just wrong, but it doesn't go well for them. Going well for them, according to Freud, would be working, uh, getting an income, partying, having sex, uh, and, and so on, and then you're a healthy uh, citizen. Uh, and most folk are trained that that's the normal, that's all there is to it. Uh, cities are full of youngsters who flood there, uh, hoping for the good life. And uh, it used to be like the, the moth, I should call them moth attractors or magnets, where all the city lights are there, that's what youngsters see on television. And that's where all the hot life is going to be, sort of thing. And they get attracted to the, the bright lights of the city Where often many of them are exploited by the sharks Very quickly, uh, for profit generally And uh, used and abused Others get in there and then they find they can't get out of the city Because their income is matching their expenditure Especially when, when rents are come into it too Always incredible rents in cities uh, And you're trapped You're just making enough to get through have your few parties, etc., like you're supposed to do, until you're a certain age and you're fed up with the parties. But you're trapped in the city. You can't save up and get out. And that's happened to millions of people across the world, and still happens every 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 year more going. And that happens to them too. Same cycle. Now, why do we accept all of these things as though it's just the normal? And we think as well, it's because it is, it is, that's, is, what is, is all there is. That's how we reason it out. That's as far as the reasoning process goes for most people. And yet I, I go back again to Brzezinski who said, in the same book I mentioned earlier, that shortly the public will expect the media to do the reasoning for them. He wasn't just speaking off the top of his hat, uh, or the top of his head, or, and he wasn't just mocking the public as being dumb or docile or stupid. 
he knew the agenda because he'd taken part in some of the top meetings that had to do with this technique of controlling people's minds and lives by the millions and billions even. And he, he was in touch with the top scientists who were involved in all the different fields to, with, to do with changing all of the people, changing us. He was also aware of the, the big revolutions in biotechnology, gene manipulation, uh, uh, basically re-engineering the human being in its many different uh, phases and areas and levels that was already going on way back then in the 70s. For those who don't know that, it was already happening. I don't mean test lab rats and labs and so on. That's the very low level of reality. There's always three levels of it, and especially in the sciences. But um, he knew that, uh, for instance, in medicine, uh, it started to get reported in medical books that women were that they were losing their hips suddenly. And about a generation, they, they were getting narrower, and, and their pelvic structure was becoming narrower too. That doesn't happen like that without an, an, some agent causing it, or agents working in combination causing it. It doesn't happen to, that for that to suddenly change. And uh, so he was well aware of what was already underway then. So... Again, most folk float through lives that are caught up in their little worries and they're scurrying about trying to make ends meet and try to be put on the face of happiness because we've been trained since the Disney era that living is supposed to be a happy thing all the time. And folk can't really be serious very often and really have heart-to-heart conversations about how they really, really feel. And it's a sad situation, uh, but that's how it is today. Uh, even amongst Christians, I noticed, in their churches, especially the born-againers, the idea of being born again to a lot of them is that you've been blessed by God, so you must have a good job. And if you haven't got a good job or things have gone badly in your life, it's because you're holding back some kind of sin. Because Protestantism took the Judaic aspect of being blessed by the deity, and that generally ended up with material goods and, and a happier life. Uh, less worries financially, etc. So every area that you look into uh, is managed as a system. And you have subsystems all working uh, under the main system we call uh, general reality for everybody. And then the categories that fall beneath it, of course. So we still take things for granted. We take the wars for granted that are never-ending, because we're now in a state of perpetual war. I've read the articles from the military, the U.S. military's own uh, magazines, where they call it the perpetual war. And part of the perpetual war, by the way, was to use the same destructive forces through movies, entertainment, and music uh, that destroyed America, and use it on all the other countries they wanted to take over. Isn't that quite amazing? Uh, so who really is running your country or what's running your country? And of course, you'll all say it's the politicians or you'll blame Obama, but Obama's just another little face that's been put in front of you for a particular era and to get certain parts of the agenda through. His job was to take the rotten tomatoes, to take the heat and, and, uh, and get well paid for it and even better paid once he's left office for, for putting all these laws through, uh, like every president before him. It doesn't matter about parties, they're, they're almost irrelevant because they're relevant in, uh, only in so much as you must believe that they're all real. Uh, 
and there, there really are differences, and that they really are running the whole country. But as I mentioned before about techniques, the whole thing about techniques, techniques took over from, from politics a long time ago. Bureaucracies are far more important, and they answer to specialists and experts who were unelected, and foundations, and big economic power brokers. That's who they listen to, and they set the policies. At the very top of the whole system we live in, and again take for granted, is this thing called money. Everyone uh, will starve to death if they can't get, uh, but the no one questions what it is, or who, who, who has the right to devalue it if you've saved the cash up to begin with. Uh, yeah, people you've never met devalue your currency, or, or bankrupt it altogether, and, uh, and you don't question it. You, all you can think of it, well, I hope they get a new one out fast, like the Great Depression, with literally half the value of the dollar, and uh, and things will get back to what you think is normal, as you're paying twice the price now, or three times the price that you did before. Today, we go through all the trickery of neologisms that they cook up for the period, uh, such as quantitative easing, which is simply inflation, meaning devaluing your currency. Uh, all kinds of tricks and cons are used in us, but most folk hear the same news that I hear, uh, and it doesn't sink in, or else they think it's so far removed from them, it doesn't affect them. Or, again, they think it's so far removed from them uh, that there's nothing they can do about it. So collectively, we, we acquiesce to, to, our, to our manipulation, our own manipulation, and and we're ruled. And we bitch when prices go up and so on, but, uh, or you lose your job to China because your plants closed down, because you can't compete with the cheap labor over there. All, all these different things. But we take it for granted. It's, amazing, it's also amazing to me how folk take things for granted, including the perpetual wars, with all their farcical propagandic reasons why they're there. Well, again, with doublethink, you can also be told from the same news sources that the big oil companies that were, are plundering Middle East and Asia and elsewhere and they've got more targets lined up for the future. Not for your countries. Your countries pay for all these wars and so on. And for the roads to get built and railways to get put in to exploit and get all this stuff out of the countries. But they're the big corporations. We all know this. We all know this. So why bother voting? Why bother voting when the corporations have been doing what they've been doing for hundreds of years? Because the British Empire... Uh, was really run by a handful of people, literally run by a handful of people and families who even put their own relatives in as governor-generals of India as, at the same time as they, run, they also ran the Bank of England and used the taxpayers to, to get to pay for the troops and to train them and clothe them and, and their factories supply them with the clothing and so on. And they, they, made, they just made a killing. Well, nothing's changed. Sad, it's a sad statement, I should say, to make that nothing's changed. It's interesting, too, that in different eras of civilization, if we want to call it that, you'll find that people go along with their worldview, their whole view of reality based on either a religion from most ancient times and then eventually into the alchemic processes of, of the Middle Ages, 
where immortality, something that people have always chased, is immortality, and through understanding nature itself, in other words, chemistry, biochemistry, and now it's genetics, etc. But it's all started with the idea of magic and uh, laws, which the understanding of mixing one chemical with another and its properties would therefore change, and so on. They realized there were laws when the same experiment with the right quantities of the same things could be repeated over and over again. Fixed laws. Long before that, too, the ancient Greeks talked about mathematical laws. And uh, that that was an astonishing thing when it first came up. There was actually laws uh, in anything at all. Everything wasn't just chance after all, or the whims of some tyrant or or a rich person. Uh, But there are actually laws as well, which could be understood. And and, and different schools and doctrines were formed out of them. Right, as I say, through the Middle Ages, where they tried to use magic and then chemistry, etc., and eventually that blossomed into the sciences down the road. And now it's science as, as their savior. But each one of those phases, even, even the Cartesian phase of, of, of a, a kind of orderly mathematical universe in about the 1700s and 1600s, that was a, a very comforting thing to many people thinking. And it didn't conflict with the religion of Christianity, say, where God had made everything and it revolved around the sun. Uh, and and um, everything was smooth and orderly, and be, and you felt safe. It would always be like this, never knowing that you didn't go in a perfect circle around the sun, and that you actually go towards it and away from it, and so on. And it's never quite the same exact orbit as last year. Uh, so, and we wobble too, and things like that. Uh, that tends to make you scared. Oh, that's scary. In other words, the whole miracle of existence, and that's what it is. It's a miracle that we're here at all. It doesn't matter how you look at it, with things apparently so delicate and, and, and perfect for human life and all animal life and so on on the planet, um, to be hinging on something uh, that uh, depends on the light from the sun and our orbits and our gravitational pulls, etc. Uh, but people like safety. And of course, before that was religion that, that gave them the safety factor that the totality of you, for instance, the whole of you, uh, what, what is the essence of you, the id, if you like, of you, uh, would go on after death. Because it seems such an awful waste, especially to you, right, <laughs> that you'd be simply gone when your physical body died. Uh, that's how we, we as humans tend to think. But the, the, the dream of, of coming into uh, immortality on earth has never lost has never been lost especially on those uh, who seek power by any and all means possible the psychopathic types too remember we're generally given cases of psychopaths who are low level psychopaths the street type psychopath the one that ends up in prison because he he doesn't want to work and um postpone pleasure, he wants instant gratification and he sees uh, the, the jewels in the window, he wants money for them, he smashes a window and grabs them. That's very low level. And then you have the ones uh, that travel all through society who simply live off other people and manipulate them. Uh, very charming and they can have a, a hundred personas going at the same time and they, they tend not to lose track of who's who they're supposed to be in front of who for instance. And yet everyone, to an extent, will have these personas according to whatever work that you do. 
The postman has his postman persona, where he's in a kind of official capacity, even as a little postman, uh, and things like that, uh, all the way up to the policeman, to the guy in the military, uh, bureaucrats themselves, who have a different worldview than you again, because they are under no pretense that the people are in charge of government. They never have had the pretense of that, I think, and they certainly don't today. But um, you become your job in a, in a sense. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and it shapes your, your daily uh, reason for being, for existing. Uh, and uh, and it gives you a comfort. That's why a lot of people, especially men in the past at least, would become suicidal when they retire, depressed. They'd either fade away, become sick and die. Or they, or they, they, they would have a, a kind of involutional type melancholia, I think they called it. Um, where they, they simply want to kill themselves because who they were was wrapped up. Their whole persona was wrapped up in what they did. And if you had nothing to do, uh, the job, for instance, you were nothing at all. And they, they had no other interests, a lot of them, outside their work and their little world, what they did after work. But as long as they had the work to go to, it gave them a reason for being. I'm Mr. So-and-so, I'm an engineer, I'm whatever it happens to be. So... People lose themselves in this. And, it's, and I think, personally, it's a tragedy with the human mind being uh, able to, to accomplish so much and understand so much. We're kept worrying and scurrying in an economic system that simply will never allow it to happen because people who do lust for power and have power will never give it up that way by sharing uh, free time. Don't forget the word school comes from the schola, from Greek, which means leisure. The first educated people that we know of, which probably even the Egyptian upper class, um, and then into the Greek, uh, literally all the philosophers had time to do all the pondering because they didn't worry about being poor or having to earn a living and so on. So uh, that's when uh, they have the time to sit and work and fathom things out and experiment with different things and so on. And to find the laws in nature that now become now are the sciences. So leisure uh, is something which is a gift to some, and is denied to most. This gift is denied to most people. They don't have enough leisure time to really think for themselves and really become themselves. They're stunted from a very early age, as far as becoming themselves, and they don't get a chance to do it. Now those in power and their cartels of these guys in power, remember who all work together, guys that used to be enemies because top psychopaths, whether in corporations as CEOs or, or sole owners or whatever, um, don't like competition. The first rule of business is eliminate competition. And I mean that through, through all businesses, by the way. Uh, there's nothing nice about the businesses, you know, nothing at all. It's a, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog Darwinian system, and all tricks are, are used in it. But business runs the world. Again, with money at the very top, because all businesses use money, and they want more of it, and uh, and so on and so on. And the guys who make up the machine of it all, the average person in their job, is the one who pays all the taxes that often launches big businesses or, or creates new arms of the same big businesses. Uh, because big corporations today are all on the welfare system, where taxpayers fund their big, big projects. This is too much, they claim, for themselves to do it and shareholders so they always get massive government handouts to do so. 
So this nonsense of democracy and any guy can make it stuff is a joke, always has been a joke. For this higher-level psychopath who's well-educated, born into a wealthy family, spoiled to an extent, does not have the worry of working hard and producing for a living, he can still take over the company and be a CEO or whatever. Uh, uh, these are the guys you have to watch out for because they still dream of immortality in a big, big way because they really can look at their lives and say, I've really enjoyed it. There's nothing they regret, by the way. Psychopaths have no regrets and no remorse over anything at all. And so they love life to the full more so than the average person who uh, has to go by certain rules and restrictions, etc., even just to keep their job or, or their friends and acquaintances. When you're a stinking rich and you're a psychopath and come from a wealthy family with what going to the best uh, uh, universities, uh, the doors are open for you. It doesn't matter how you behave. You're simply classed as eccentric uh, or whatever, and uh, you get away with uh, a lot of things that, that you would never get away with in any other segment or lower part of the strata of society. So immortality is a big, big, big thing for them, and hence came the biotech uh, revolutions uh, to do with genetic engineering and so on. Your money for research is always directed by big private companies and foundations. And your government chips in, again, as I say, to to enable that research to go on. Your universities, which are all subsidized, uh, and some countries are state-owned, your tax money, in other words, funds a lot of the research for the private corporations that then take, take the patents and then use it against their own people. That's your power that it wields for whatever area of science it is. That's quite fascinating to see how reality really works. But most folk never think of it this way. They want to believe in the Disney version, uh, that everyone's just nice. Uh, Psychopaths are never mentioned in the Disney ones. Someone who's bad always gets caught, and they're obviously bad. Whereas the psychopaths or the collar and tie guys at the very, very top, who get together uh, the cartels. See, for instance, all the guys in the oil industries, all the big corporations, were talking with Tony Blair. That came out years after the war with Iraq and so on. That long before the war came along, uh, they'd already got together with Tony Blair and they divvied up which corporations would get the different oil fields. But do you remember any of that getting said when it was actually happening? All you got then was government-approved propaganda. But the world's always been like this. It's always been like this. And as long as people accept their realities, as long as, as, long as young guys especially are, are fascinated by the military... Because they're still young guys don't grow up very quickly. They're they're still in their fantasy world when they're in their eighteens and nineteens and twenties. Uh, believe you me, uh, as one soldier said to me, he says uh, one one one. It seemed to him that looking back, uh, he was playing cowboys and Indians with his pals. Next minute, he was he was he was in, uh, dressed in a uniform, running down the streets in Belfast in the British Army. 
It takes time for to maturity to begin. But we've had a weaponized culture now, with Hollywood being sponsored heavily by the Pentagon, with all their war movies. And the hero, the nobody becomes the hero thing is a big thing for nobodies. And there was people at the very bottom. There's no, no other way they can see that they could possibly get a name for themselves and get any kind of honor or respect unless they become a hero. And they think they put that uniform on, they're going to become a hero. Well, it's, it's terrible really because most folk today are really mercenaries. They get paid to do what they're doing. They don't even need much propaganda, even simplistic propaganda. Uh, they'll go in and off to kill uh, whoever they're told to go and kill. And they'll still be proud of doing it because it's supposedly for the country and that's what gets you respect. Sad, isn't it? It's sad how simple all of this really is. Very simple. And I don't think there's a single group out there in any country, and even the so-called rebels, we know the CIA, and we all, we all know the CIA has been involved uh, and creating a lot of these groups uh, that are supposedly terrorists now. And there's lots of information out there on, on, the, on the, the founding of the different groups, in fact, and the funding going into them, etc., uh, etc. Et but the fact is, uh, it's so easy for, for powerful personas or psychopathic types to, to take over control of nations. And I mean, every, there's no exception. And get the will of the people behind them and then they go and do what they want to really do. And we follow like sheep and go along with it with simplistic, simplistic propaganda. And in the process, all hell breaks loose. And the ordinary folk on all sides always suffer, ordinary people. But someone always profits mightily. And these are the ones you've got to really look at. Psychopaths are often very successful. And if they're born in the right families, the more so. Now, psychopaths also can recognize very instantly, actually instantly, each other. And that's why a lot of these top CEOs and even world leaders uh, have so much in common with their counterparts and, and get on so well with them. They all know the cons that they're pulling. And uh, as I say, they really enjoy life to, to the full. And the more they succeed and get away with what they're doing, even with their wars and so on, the more cocky they become because they really they look at their victims and all those who salute them and honor them and so on as being so much idiots. All the more. The more they succeed, the more those who enable them are, are, are idiots. Quite something. Sad again, isn't it? Getting back to reality in different ages, in ancient times for most folk and different religions we're into, you find, as I said, was a comfort in something being the same as your parents and your grandparents and in continuity, in other words. It gave you a comfort. This was all the natural order. And then when you would enter the, the alchemical processes, again, the Middle Ages and Kabbalah, it's it all mixed with it too. Uh, early explorations of chemicals and uh, physics, etc., and the gaining of knowledge, slow, slow gaining of knowledge, and then into the Cartesian view of things too, uh, then people were taught, those who had any education at all, were taught the particular, like I say, the Cartesian view for that particular era, that everything was done to a mathematical order, etc. And today, with the revolution, uh, it came into electronics, computerization, 
and along with that genetic manipulation, uh, you find that our view again has changed until we think that everything that, that comes out of these sciences must be okay. If you go back into the, again, uh, Industrial Revolution, for instance, uh, everyone's viewpoint changed then too, that, that industry was going to save us all and give us better lives. And by turning up big machines and locomotives, etc., it really upset the whole apple cart across whole countries where uh, rural areas, which were self-sustainable, uh, basically, they, they, they grew everything that they needed to grow. Uh, they built everything they needed to, do, to, to live in. Uh, they created all their own implements, all their tools. Everything was upset by that. Even their clothing that they had woven in their own little towns and villages. Uh, when, the, when the trains came through, it was all upset. And manufacturing from outside in other countries even were brought to your doorstep. Uh, and again, too, as long as you had still work to do and, and uh, you had a job of some kind, you would adapt to that very quickly. And you might even bless the whole new system again. So machines were the thing. And then we find uh, Napoleon's wars. And Napoleon, he understood there was a massive change going on between the old cavalry charge and the big cannons that they had then that were getting more and more effective in combat and slaughter, basically. Although he still used the charges and his foot soldiers on charges. But nothing changed in the military right into the World War I. Some countries were still having cavalry uh, go out there against uh, machine guns and everything. And it was massive slaughter. It took them a long time to change into the new view of things. Uh, and, and guys would march in upright, like World War I, and die by the thousands in minutes. And yet the, the, the system was so fixed in the minds of the top old-time generals, they would just have another wave after them, another regiment, another regiment. And it went on for years like that, so it tied up this massive score. There's a good satire on World War One, by the way. It's, uh, it's a movie. It was, it's called Oh, What a Lovely War. And it's done in a satirical way, World War One. Uh, a lot of poignant points in it, and they they go through uh, a, a lot of the old songs that were created by the propaganda industry at the time to make it all seem fun, as I showed you the horror of it, and nothing's really changed, you see. So, so now, of course, we 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 saw the massive howitzers. I mean, massive guns firing off. Firing car-sized shells over battlefields, etc. In World War One and Two, and then the missiles came in, and then from then it was a missile age, and uh, and intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, and then into the Star Wars programs of the Reagan era, and the, the advanced laser technologies that could literally shoot down anything at all, instantly, and we're into uh, we're past that today, and into we're into literally designer. Designer bacterium and designer uh, viruses run for the Department of Defenses, and which is all run again by the big military industrial financial complex. So profit and getting richer is always more important than the betterment of humankind in all these eras. And as long as money exists, I think it'll always be this way. No one's going to change it. The power brokers who own it all are not, ain't going to change it and give up their own power. Won't happen. 
And so generation after generation, we're trained to go out there and compete and get to the top by any way we can. The psychopaths uh, succeed. They recognize each other at the top. They work in combinations and they live awfully well at the expense of everybody else, including creating massive slaughter across the world. But these are the same guys who employ other psychopaths in academia, academia who want to, to get up there too. And the Paul Ehrlichs and these guys who are always on about the population bomb and overpopulation of the masses. Same thing goes all the way back to Malthus, Thomas Malthus. Too many of them, and not enough resources eventually, uh, how will we survive since we're, since we're the superior type of human and they're the inferior type? Well, it doesn't stop. Understand what I'm saying is your whole being, persona, and id it revolves around your era. Whereas alchemy that goes into your lifestyle, it's all magic. And whether it's Cartesian, it's all mathematics. And so just understand mathematics and you'll understand everything and, and have the power over everything. And then you go into a present era of genetic uh, manipulation. It's very easy to do now, in genes of bacterium and viruses, by the way. Very easy, very quick processes. It takes harmless bacteria and put insert other genes in and make them absolute killers for the Department of Defense. And I'm not speaking off the top of my head again. Uh, there's lots of information on this. This is what we call civilization, and we call it progress. Progress. Who's defining this progress? Well, those who run it and who own it all, the whole system. That's who. And the field of biotechnical research, biological research, you find that uh, there, there are different organisms which have been manipulated since at least World War II, during World War II onwards. We, we can trace them back that far, probably even longer, actually. And you find that uh, there's different groupings of them. For those who are interested in the groupings of different kinds of diseases or, or organisms, and you can get viral and you can get fungal, you get bacterial. Uh, there's rickets seal, they call it, and protozoan as well. They can mutate, uh, they multiply, they can be spread over large areas very quickly, either by aerial release by aircraft uh, or by, even from the ground, from containers. Very simple to do. Some of them increase so quickly. Uh, containers can do it. Uh, even glass vials could do it, theoretically. Uh, someone stepping on a glass vial coming off a plane, uh, and boom, bingo, it'll be spread across the world in no time at all. Because they're created purposely to do that job. Now, under international law, uh, there's supposed to be restrictions on all of this, but there are none at all. We know that. There's no restrictions because uh, governments always lie to what they perceive as enemies or even potential or friends who could be become potential enemies, which is any arrival to their corporations down the road. And uh, we know that there are different uh, headquarters that are more well-known than others for storing a lot of this weaponry too. And um, every country has one, has them, everyone does. They've never widely used them, but they have been used in the past, by the way, but they've never widely used them for fear of going into their own directions and coming back home and killing most of the folk. Now, again, under international treaties, they're supposed to have the antidote, an effective workable antidote uh, for, for, for when they, 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 they alter each, they genetically alter each uh, uh, bacterium or viruses or so on. 
and they have to have the antidote for that. Sometimes it can take time for that to, to catch up, to get that. Uh, other times it's quicker because it's, it's so far advanced today, they know exactly what they're doing to the extent that they create this massive killer. But they can also get something that will stop it in its tracks, they hope. But nothing ever works perfectly when it's let loose. As you all well know, nothing ever really does. So we're in the era of genetic manipulation, which becomes the reality for everyone. Oh, everyone thinks they're going to get longevity. People do at the bottom levels too. They fall for all this stuff. They're going to give it to you. But at the same time, they're talking about reducing your population drastically so that their own offsprings at the top can go off into the future with enough resources that will last much, much longer than you all lose it using it for yours. Double think again, isn't it amazing? And um, it made me think of the report to the Committee on Appropriations of the U.S. House of Representatives. I think it was 1986. But it says the Department of Defense said that the DNA and other genetic engineering technologies are finally making biological warfare an effective military option. And uh, they're cloning uh, unattainable quantities, previously unattainable quantities, of what they call traditional pathogens, traditional ones. And then the technology could also uh, create new kinds of pathogens which had never before been seen in nature. They did not normally live in nature. We now have ethnic-specific pathogens. Ethnic Pacific. So if one group doesn't like another group, they can basically do, which they've already done, by the way, the researches on different peoples to do with their genetic structures and so on across the world. It's all categorized. And they find simply a particular dominant gene that most folk in that group will carry and create the pathogen to attack it to ensure it has no defenses against them and they all die. During the SARS outbreak a few years ago, some of the Chinese were complaining that the West had unleashed something upon them because it was hitting mainly people of that particular origin from China. So anyway, this is what they said from the Department of Defense, 1986. Advances in biotechnology permit the elaboration of a wide variety of novel warfare materials. The novel agents represent the newly found ability to modify, improve, or produce large amounts of natural materials or organisms previously considered to be military ins- militarily insignificant due to problems such as availability, stability, infectivity, and producibility. Then we want to talk about uh, potent toxins, which uh, were available only in small quantities. And uh, they were on to say, too, that, that uh, potent toxins, which until now were available only in minute quantities, and only upon isolation from immense amounts of biological materials, can now be prepared in industrial quantities. Industrial quantities. That's to do nations with, you see after a relatively short developmental period. This process consists of identifying genes, encoding for the desired molecule, and transferring the sequence to a receptive microorganism, which then becomes capable of producing the substance. The recombinant organisms may then be cultured and grown at any desired scale. Large quantities of compounds previously available only in minute amounts thus become available at relatively low costs. So a more a massive killing uh, ability can be made uh, available at low cost. Economics again. 
And when they say low cost, believe you me, the big boys who run all of these plants that produce this stuff are making a fortune. And they talked about all the, the, the designer agents too. The report went on to talk about the new developments in genetic engineering technology uh, and made possible the rapid exploitation of nature's resources for warfare purposes in ways not even imagined 10 to 15 years ago. And it was also a report came out from, in, in the same year, uh, Doug, Douglas J. Feith, F-E-I-T-H, who was the Deputy Secretary of Defense for the U.S., noted the near impossibility of defending against this newfound ability to genetically engineer biofare agents. It says, It's now possible to synthesize biological warfare agents tailored to military specification. The technology that makes possible so-called designer drugs also makes possible designer biological warfare. It's becoming a simple matter to produce new agents, but a problem to develop uh, antidotes. New agents can be produced in hours. New killer agents can be produced in hours. Antidotes may take years. To gauge the magnitude of the antidote problem, consider the many years and millions of dollars that have been invested as yet without success in developing a means of countering a single biological agent outside the biological warfare field, the AIDS virus. Such an investment for far surpasses the resources available for biological warfare defense work. So getting back to the different eras and the way we look at things, industrial ages or Cartesian age, etc., uh, etc., et alchemical age, uh, think about it. Uh, now it's computerization and genetic manipulation age and how everyone's gung You've all been trained to be gung-ho for the age that you live in. It's the latest. It must be better. But look what we're reading here. You were, you, you, you we're talking about biological warfare to slaughter millions of people. And often they say, they say, and I don't really believe that, they don't have the antidotes. They certainly won't pass antidotes out to all of you. Can you imagine all the creativity of humankind and the best we can do is pay guys, psychopathic characters obviously, masses of money to work their whole lives developing killer diseases. And you think you're living in a sane society? Obviously it's not sane. It's very deviant. And it's definitely run by very successful psychopaths at the top. Now remember a lot of these toxins and, and biological warfare elements are all made by the same boys, same companies, same corporations uh, that are into supposedly helping to feed the world. In other words, feed the coffers of their corporations that own the patented seeds and all the chemicals that go with it, you see. Uh, there was an, an article too. It was in the, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, 1983, uh, by Robert L. Sinsheimer, who's a biophysicist and former chancellor of the University of California, Santa Cruz, said that because of the nature of this particular category of experimentation, there's no adequate way to properly distinguish between peaceful uses of deadly toxins and military uses. And we know, for instance, that some of the big boys who are getting promoted and taking over the world with their GM um, uh, foodstuffs and vegetables and so on, and their, their, their patented seeds that you have to buy from them all the time, then you can only use with their particular poisons for the herbicides, um, are the same companies that are involved 
in the same research for biowarfare purposes. You can't separate the two. It's the same field. There was also uh, an article from the International Peace Research Institute uh, from Stockholm, it was at the time, um, with Sinsheimer's uh, assessment. And they concluded that some common forms of vaccine production are very close technically to production of biological warfare agents and so offer easy opportunities for conversion. They're totally intertwined. Totally intertwined. And then there was Richard Goldstein, uh, who was a professor of microbiology at Harvard Medical School, summed it up and he says, he said, under the banner of defensive purposes, the Department of Defense can justify working with the upper pathogens of the world, producing altered, more virulent strains, producing vaccines for protection of their troops against such agents, and likewise for the development of dispersal systems under Department of Defense, must be able to defend against any such dispersal systems. Under this guise, what Department of Defense ends up with is a new biological weapon system, a virulent organism, a vaccine against it, and a dispersal system. As you can gather from this, there is but a very thin line, if any, between such a defensive system allowed by the conventions and any prohibited offensive system. Totally intertwined. Now getting back to double-think, the ability to hold two opposing opinions ahead at the same time. The big corporations want to feed the world because they love us all. The same corporations fund depopulation programs. The same corporations are part of the Department of Defense industry, the military-industrial complex. Reality? You can hold all that in your head at, at the same time? Triple think? And yet you're told and you're trained to believe all this stuff when it comes out of the mouths of experts. You're quite safe, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. How on earth can you possibly... Go through your life, believing all these different versions of the same things, without cracking up. Well, the trick is not to believe them all. You know what what the BS is, and you know what the truth is. And only by facing reality as it is, could it possibly ever become changed. And stop agreeing with others, and groups that are formed too. Don't be part of the group think. There's always, you know, there's always tenets to go along with the group. Here's what we're here for. Here are the tenets of what we believe in. And if you say anything that's not quite in line with, with their tenets, you're out. You'd be individuals to change this, to change anything at all, actually. Individuals. And who long, who knows how long that might take at this rate, because we're all trained to be naive. The psychopaths are training you by to be so incredibly naive. And keep you naive. And tell you that, don't worry, superior people who come out of special wombs are in control of the world. Don't worry, just go back to sleep and play. That's really what it is. The psychopaths have created you, your reality, and all the formats that work to give you your reality, they own them all, to make you better servants and, and dumbed-down people for them to use and manipulate. 
it's always for their own benefit. And when they don't need you, psychopaths will simply eliminate you without a thought. What we're in today is a horror show. Because the technique that came along with computerization, the year we're in with genetic uh, manipulation, uh, as I say, this is, this is for our era today, uh, must be right because it's here, it's advanced, and we're thinking like the computers, not like people, not like human beings. I've said so many times that we, the general population in all eras, work towards the making of our own chains because we accept things as they are presented to us from birth onwards. And yet, as I say, the infinite capacity of the mind to do incredible things, to be truly human, has been blunted and stunted at a very early age as others give you a reality to follow to suit ones at the top who are really monsters of the system. And we take it all for granted, as I say. Like it must be normal, because it exists. It must be normal that they want to bioengineer all of us, and very, very shortly, actually, if they haven't done it already, I'm sure they have, but shortly it will become mandatory to, if you only mate, and they've talked about this since the 1930s, uh, that you'll get a license to have an offspring, and, and you simply will be forbidden to have it any other way, to make sure they are compatible genetically and so on with the one they want to match you up with. And then, a, and then it's already happening now where they're removing specific genes and replacing them with others in, with, with some in vitro fertilization procedures. To, to suit whom? To suit whom? And we think it's all normal because now, oh, we're advanced. We're not Cartesian anymore. We're not, we're not into the alchemy anymore, you know. We're not into the flat air society anymore. It must be right. Each people never, in, in their, their age are conned into believing that must be natural for the age they live in by those who dominate the age. So easy to do, isn't it? Well, I hope you forgive me for prattling on tonight, but I was wondering what to talk about, and it just hit me just before I started this talk, this little blurb, as I call it. And um, I hope you remember, too, uh, that you can help me out and take over here by sending a few pennies in once in a while, because it's expensive to do what I do. And it's amazing to me, too, that uh, I listen to any other talks, uh, shows, and different things, even, even in mainstream, and the terms I use with phrases I come out with at times uh, are coined by, uh, I coined them a long time ago, are used by these people, but they never mention you at all. It's a shame that, really, because then it would help a few more, maybe send a few pennies this way to help me take over. But again, that's the vanity of human nature, I suppose, that people want to, don't want to see where they get uh, information from. And often, many of them too are just too lazy to, to look it all up themselves. But uh, if you can help me out, I can keep going and hopefully bring a lot more to you. A lot more in the future. I'm still wondering where to go full-time again doing this. And it's, believe me, it's a killer pace when you do it full-time. I don't want to go into just reading the world's news because it's pretty well propaganda no matter what side you're reading it from. And you'll never get the, the real facts on anything anymore. That's just the way it is. Um... 
and at the same time as something else. When the mainstream is pointing you to look there, uh, look at the other hand and see what's being done there, because there's you know, nasty things to do with your pocket down the road, or, or, or the decreasing consumption of higher proteins into whatever garbage they want you to eat in this particular era or in the near future. It's already happening with lots of articles coming out, how good these things are for you, etc. But um, believe you me, those at the top, when they have profit motive in mind, first and foremost, supposedly, uh, when they can come up with the things I've been talking about tonight, it's a form of insanity. It's a form of insanity that runs them. Uh, the old, the old, the old uh, quote, you know, what, what's a man if he gains the whole world, loses his soul? Uh, it doesn't apply to the psychopath because he loves it here. He wants to live forever. He'll make sure your tax money is doing a lot of research to make sure that he will, hopefully, he'll think, uh, live forever. At least have a life ex- long life extension. He won't come down with a crippling aging diseases either. Like many of these big wigs you look at today, they're in their 80s and 90s, giving world, uh, going to world meetings and giving lectures. They don't have any of the so-called aging diseases because they didn't get all the shots, etc., that you were given that were going to be there to help you, we were told. And they don't eat the food you're eating either. This is the reality of the world you're living in. It's not a pretty picture. You've still got decent people around you. But again, decent people are, are often, again, incredibly naive. And they are frightened of things outside their ken. They're frightened of bad news, especially when they don't know how to handle the bad news, to deal with the bad news, to change it to something better. Uh, this om- omnipotence of a system, an abstract system above them, uh, is frightening to them. And for them to start to believe that, the, that those ones above them, uh, the guiding lights, may be rather wicked, terrifies them. It's like being told that your God is actually the devil. It's the same thing. Your whole reality and the way you viewed everything, suddenly it would come crashing instantaneously. So don't hit folk with bad news if they can't handle it. Don't, don't collapse them. Don't force news upon people who don't want to hear it. They've told you, I don't want to hear it. They mean it. Not everyone has the capacity to even look, look for something outside this, this obviously packaged and parceled uh, system that they're presented with from birth. Not everyone can do it. So remember, hopefully, send me a few pennies. Uh, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Everybody else does, including what, even mainstream folk, lots of mainstream uh, media folk, and help yourself. Uh, it's for free, uh, except I pay for it. Uh, and it's only with the help of you. And it's getting fewer and fewer. It's financially, not, not with people reading them. Because I, I know there's a lot more people who are literally put out of work now and, and they're dead broke. And lots of them write to me and tell me that too. There's also folk out there who, whose idea of being broke is different from mine. They still have their cell phone and all the latest apps and all the rest of it. 
And uh, if they can't afford the, the latest and the latest and latest app, then they, they feel broke. Well, I don't have any of these new apps at all. I don't have a cell phone either. <laughs> but I put out this information hoping that they'll do some good in, in the possible future. And everything really starts, really starts with one flame and a little candle. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me your God or your God's go with you.